This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, January 30th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. During this year's School Choice Week, it's worthy to consider the scholarship tax credit. They provide for more student education than vouchers, and they're more politically saleable, but they're less studied than vouchers. Jason Bedrick, an education policy analyst at the Cato Institute, explains why. So it's school choice, National School Choice Week around the country. Uh, We are celebrating all the various forms of school choice, uh, public school choice and private school choice. And when people think about private school choice, often they think specifically of voucher programs uh, where the government uh, collects money from taxpayers and then pays uh, generally low and middle income students to go to the schools of their parents' choice. But In reality, the largest private school choice program in the country is what's called a scholarship tax credit. Uh, There are 16 states, uh, or actually there are 16 programs operating in 13 states right now that are scholarship tax credits. The difference is that um, private businesses and individual taxpayers uh, donate to nonprofit scholarship organizations and then receive a tax credit uh, anywhere from 50% to 100% of their donation. And then those nonprofit scholarship organizations fund low and middle income kids attending the school of their choice. So the treatment in terms of students selecting the school of their choice is the same, but it doesn't rely on the government extracting and spending the money. Why don't we hear about that as much? It's usually the discussion about school choice is usually charter schools, vouchers, and that's it. Yeah, it's a very good question. I think a part of the reason is that voucher programs are more studied. And I think that voucher programs are more studied for the most part because it's a lot easier to study a program when it's centrally administered, right? If only one source is in charge of regulating the program and uh, carrying out the funding and administration of the program, it's much easier to study. Also with vouchers, you can have what are called randomized controlled uh, studies, which are the, you know, sort of the holy grail of social science research. Uh, sort of like in medicine where you would have two different uh, – you would take a group of people, divide them randomly into two, give one the treatment and one the placebo. So when you have a voucher program that's oversubscribed, you could uh, have a lottery and then you could compare the lottery winners to the lottery losers. Uh, with a scholarship tax credit program though, it's decentralized. Uh, so you could have like in Florida, there's only one uh, scholarship organization and that's where there's really the only research. But in other states like Pennsylvania, for example, has 250 scholarship organizations. It's very hard to study uh, for a researcher. It's very expensive and difficult to come in and study a program like that. Again, how how uh, how scholarship tax credits function, I think, is of particular interest, uh, especially when it comes to the law. Because uh, scholarship tax credits, you said that uh, the money is not taken from taxpayers first, and then they are, and the, the money is actually goes to the organization. The uh, donor gets a tax credit. The money is distributed to parents or provided to schools on behalf of students. The government is not involved except at the point at which the donor files their tax return. Right, which is I mean, no different than if somebody were to, say, make a donation to their church and then receive a tax deduction on that, or uh, you know, the church itself receives a property tax exemption. Uh, but the, it does make a legal difference. Uh, for example, uh, voucher programs in both Florida and Arizona were struck down under their, the state's Blaine Amendment, uh, named after a senator from Maine in the late 1800s uh, who 
campaigned against uh, Catholic education, didn't want money going to Catholic schools when the public schools at the time were de facto non-denominational Protestant schools. Uh, over time, of course, all the schools uh, were uh, – public schools were secularized. Uh, but these Blaine Amendments remain uh, and the Blaine Amendments say that uh, public money cannot go toward parochial schools. Uh, but in each of these states, uh, both Arizona and Florida subsequently adopted a scholarship tax credit program uh, and those have withstood constitutional scrutiny. Uh, whereas there have been a few voucher programs around the country that have been struck down, uh, no scholarship tax credit program has been uh, declared unconstitutional by any state's high court. Now, uh, in my home state of Kentucky, they not only have a Blaine Amendment, I, I think they have three uh, in different ways that sort of prevent so-called public money uh, from going to private schools of any kind. And is it fair to call Blaine Amendments anti-Catholic? I mean, that's that's their origin, but that's not necessarily well, how they are used today. Certainly their origin is anti-Catholic. Uh, uh, in a decision by the US Supreme Court uh, years ago decried uh, the bigotry that was underlying these amendments. Uh, they, they were closely associated with the anti-Catholic Know Nothing Party. Uh, the way that they're carried out today, I wouldn't say is uh, specifically anti-Catholic, uh, but often the rhetoric that is used is anti-religious in general. How regulated are scholarship tax credits compared to vouchers and charters? Charters are officially public schools and vouchers typically allow people to attend private schools. But Yes, uh, charter schools are public schools. There's a lot of confusion about that. They, they must be secular. Uh, they can't accept students based on merit. They must accept students if there's oversubscription uh, with a lottery. And uh, they usually have uh, m many, you know, they usually have to take state tests. They have many of the regulations that uh, traditional public schools have, although not as many, and they uh, are privately managed, although they're publicly funded. Um, scholarship tax credit programs on the whole tend to come with fewer onerous regulations than voucher programs. Uh, and that it probably relates to the fact that they don't use public money. Uh, so there are still some programs like in Indiana and Louisiana uh, that have uh, quite a few uh, regulations attached to them requiring students to take state tests. Uh, but for the most part, scholarship tax credit programs are on the whole uh, superior because they allow for more freedom and they are less regulated. You said that there are more students involved in scholarship tax credit programs than uh, vouchers. Is that because they're more popular? There are. It's because they, there are more scholarship tax credit programs around the country. But are uh, they? But are they more popular politically? Oh, politically, they are certainly more popular. Uh, there was a study that was done by Harvard, uh, the Harvard University Program on Education Policy and Governance, uh, in 2012, and they asked uh, respondents their views of vouchers, and the national average was exactly dead heat, 50-50 support and against. Uh, whereas when they asked the, the similar question about scholarship tax credits, uh, support was just about 75 percent uh, and it was even higher among, uh, among blacks, Hispanics, independents and interestingly, interestingly even Democrats. Jason Bedrick is an education policy analyst at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.